You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org. Hi, I'm Nathan Jones, and for those of you I don't know, I'm one of the ministers of Oasis Church Waterloo. As the fourth instalment in this Advent podcast series, Joe's asked me to talk a bit about a verse in Luke's story of Jesus's life from chapter two. It's verse 40, and it says this, And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. One of the fascinating things about the four accounts of Jesus's life that are in the New Testament is that there are whole three decades that we hardly know anything about. We hear a lot about Jesus's birth and the build up to it, but then it all goes a bit quiet for 30 years. About the only story that we do have is from when Jesus is 12 years old and Mary and Joseph take him to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And instead of going back home with his parents, he stays in Jerusalem. And after searching for him for three days, Mary and Joseph find him still at the temple. I reckon that suggests he was probably a decent kid. There are worse places that a 12-year-old could disappear to than to church. But anyway, I digress. There's this massive gap in our timeline until Jesus hits 30 and begins teaching and really starts to change the world. I feel like 30 years is a long time to wait. And it reminded me of an old story that I loved that I heard many years ago about the great dining hall at New College in Oxford. It was a beautiful old building built in the 14th century, wonderful architecture. And when people walked in for the first time, they were encouraged to look upwards where running the length of the ceiling were these beautiful old oak beams, hundreds of years old. But one day the college were inspecting all their buildings And they realised that the beams were infested with beetles and they'd need replacing. But how do we do this, they asked. Where are we going to find oak trees as big, as old, as strong as these? They thought about it for days until a young student said, Hey, there are oak trees on the college land. Why don't you ask the college forester if he has any ideas? So they get the forester in and they tell him the problem. And as they're getting towards the end of the story, they notice that the forester is grinning. Ah, the forester says. I wondered when you'd ask. And the forester proceeded to tell them that when the college was built in the 14th century, the first college forester had said, well, oak beams always get a beetle infestation at some point, so I'll plant some more oaks for when that happens. And so for over 500 years, from forester to forester, the story had been passed down that those oak trees, the ones over there, those oak trees were never to be touched because at some point, at some point, they'll need them for the Great Hall. For 500 years, foresters had waited and the oaks had grown taller and stronger, waiting for that one day when they would be needed. I wonder what you're like at waiting. I'm terrible at it. Useless. Always have been. For me, one of the great things about the invention of the internet is that I don't have to wait so long for stuff. 
when I was a teenager and a budding indie rock electric guitarist. I mean, the fact that I'm now a church minister tells you enough about how that worked out. But anyway, in those days, I was a huge fan of a guitarist called Bernard Butler. I know, least pop star sounding name ever. But anyway, he was the lead guitarist in a band called Suede until one day, one awful day, when he left the band. A couple of years later, I read in the NME that he was going to release a solo single, and I was pretty excited about this. They said he was going to get its first play on Radio 1 at a certain time. So when the day came, there I was, sitting by the radio, ready to listen. Obviously, I loved it. To be honest, it could have been the worst song ever, and I'm pretty sure I still would have loved it. But then after it finished, the DJ said that the single would be released in six weeks' time. Six weeks? How was I going to wait that long? The good news was that, as was the way back in those days, I'd not just been sitting by the radio waiting, but also sitting there poised to press record on my tape deck. So at least I had a terrible quality taped version until then. It's all a bit different now, isn't it? Back when we could do this kind of thing, I was standing at the bar in a pub and I liked the song that came on the jukebox. I got my phone out, used an app to identify the song, and with two more taps, I added it to a Spotify playlist and downloaded it onto my phone so I could listen to it on the tube on the way home. And I did all this before the barman had finished pouring my pint. We live now in a world of instant gratification. We can basically buy anything on next day delivery. Research shows that our memory recall is much worse than it was two decades ago because we don't have to remember anything anymore. We just get our phones out and Google it. We used to watch cliffhangers at the end of TV shows and have to wait a whole week to find out what had happened. Now we haven't even got to press a button. Netflix or iPlayer or whatever just plays the next episode automatically. And for someone like me, lots of that is great. I love being able to find out stuff quickly, not having to wait for something to happen. But I'm trying to teach myself that sometimes waiting can be all right too. Not that long after we'd moved to London, we went back to Swansea where we'd lived for years. And we were talking to an older couple who'd been a real source of wisdom for us when we lived there. We were talking about how difficult it was to find a church in London and how nothing was like the church we'd left back in Swansea. They told us to pick one throw ourselves in there, get stuck in, keep going, but don't expect everything to suddenly be as good as it was in Swansea overnight. And then they said something that stuck with me ever since. There's no shortcut to relationships. There's no shortcut to this. You just got to put the long work in. And as frustrating as that is for someone like me to hear, it's totally true. The 30 years from Jesus' birth to the beginning of his teaching tells us that sometimes, even when the revolution has arrived or been announced, it still takes time to have an impact. And I think that's the same in the work that we're trying to do with our churches. One of the five Oasis ethos statements is a sense of perseverance to keep going for the long haul, because things don't happen overnight. A few years ago, I was in a meeting with somebody who had left a really good job in politics to work for the Church of England, and I asked him why he'd made that decision. He said, in government, you're always looking at the next election. He said, realistically, you have a couple of years where you can do stuff, and then you're back in campaigning mode again. But at the Church of England, I can plan a strategy for the next 25 years. And I thought, that's it. That's why that Oasis ethos statement is so important. Because there's no shortcut to all of this. 
Lots of you will know that in Waterloo we run two schools, a food bank, a farm, a debt advice centre, a load of youth work and loads more stuff like that. All of that came out of the church. It was all started by those who came to the church wanting to get out beyond the building and transform our local community. But the thing is, we do all this stuff because we've been around for ages. We started with a coffee shop and then we added a bit of youth work and then some kids work and then a choir and then a food bank and then debt advice and so on and so on. And that's why I get really excited when I see the journey that you're all on in Bath. Because there's something really exciting about being somewhere near the beginning of that journey. I know it's not always exciting. I know it has frustrations, long evenings, hard work, sleepless nights, worrying about income. I know it has all of those things. But no good revolution comes about without some of that. One of the things that strikes me about that 30 years between Jesus being born and starting his teaching is at that time it wasn't passive, it wasn't static. For every day of that 30 years, the people of Israel needed action. It wasn't that they were waiting, but hey, it's okay if nothing happens for a few years because everything's basically fine. It wasn't that at all. Every day they waited was another day under Roman oppression. Every day, every single day, they would cry out, how long, how long until our Messiah saves us? And I wonder what it would have been like for those people who had been part of the journey for a long time. What must it have been like for the shepherds who had been visited by angels had travelled to see this Messiah, but decades later, no change? But here's the thing, though. I reckon the people of Israel kept working. I reckon even while they waited for a Messiah, I reckon they read the scriptures and they did their best to live their lives as examples of God's love. I reckon they worked every day of those 30 years to try and make their communities better reflections of this same love. Because there's something about learning from the journey. The end of the story isn't the only place where we learn. The verse I started with, Luke chapter 2 verse 40 said, And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. He was filled with wisdom and grace as he grew, not when he reached the destination. So let's fight for revolution, but let's love the journey and let's see what we can learn from it. And my prayer for you, for everyone listening, is that as you do these things, that you too would be filled with wisdom and that the grace of God would be on each and every one of you. You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org.